From Yeshiva Har Torah in New York, I'm Dr. Pesha Klotenik, and this is the YHT POV, our school's official podcast. Okay, there's been a little bit of an elapse uh, since we had our last um, podcast. Um, Some of the reason is because I have been out with COVID, as you know, and I decided that I wanted to take the opportunity to bond with another administrator who I know also tested positive for COVID-19. I have her permission to say so. Uh, Bracha Ratner, thank you for joining us. Sure, thanks for having me on the podcast. Really a pleasure to be here. It's your second time on the Yeshiva Hard Tour podcast, right? Yes, correct. Racha is the head of School of Central um, and is a Yoetzet Halakha um, in Silver Spring. And I appreciate your time. So, you know, how's your year been? And what did it feel like for you, let's start more specifically, um, having to tell your school community that you have COVID? And then I'll share as well. But how, how did it go for you? Sure. So this year started off we were really hoping for a normal school year. Yes, we did have the Delta variant in the summer and we knew that we had to start wearing masks at the beginning of the year, but we were really determined to have as normal of a school year as we could. We started out the year with trips for our different grades. We had a school-wide Shabbaton in Camp Kaylee. We started with our athletics and it really was feeling as normal as it could be. We were once again gathering together for davening, which is an incredibly meaningful beginning to our day as a group. And I do have to tell you that I really feel like the davening experience is very different coming back together in a really, really positive way. They missed it probably. Yeah, they missed it. And, And I think it's more than that because If they missed it, I feel like, okay, after a month, they would have stopped. But I really feel, as I was thinking this morning, because I'm davening every morning with our students, watching the room and looking around and knowing that our room was full and that the students wanted to be there and that they were davening and just being together was really a beautiful way to kind of end our semester as we're heading into winter break in two days. Mm And it really, you know, then December hit and suddenly all of these cases, as every school is experiencing, case case one. And many of our students vaccinated and it was it was surprising to me. Suddenly we're back on Zoom, making decisions about who can Zoom and who can't Zoom and when they can Zoom and and how lenient we should be and how strict we should be. And I said, wait, this is last year. This isn't supposed to be happening now. And suddenly this this COVID became all consuming once again. And we were really frustrated. And part of me just sat down one day and said, I'm just, I'm so sad that we're here, that we still have to worry about this. Seeing my own students on Zoom bewildered and not being able to keep up mm-hmm. and walking into teachers' classrooms and seeing them once again have to figure out how to navigate, wait, who am I focusing on? The students on Zoom or the students in my classroom and who's the majority and how do I walk around? And it was skills that became second nature last year that we kind of willfully forgot <laughs> and suddenly had to bring back. Yeah. But knowing knowing the challenges for our students, uh, we did have a few parents who asked us if their students could go remote and we said we were not providing that option. We learned so much about how important in-person learning really is, as you know, 
Oh yes, if we learn one thing, everyone asks me, well, what, what did you learn from technology? I learned that nothing replaces a human teacher, nothing. So, uh, and you know, and I myself was nervous about what would happen if one of the administrators tested positive for COVID. So as things are raging, and um, there was COVID in my house and I'm not feeling well. I'm thinking, oh no, oh. <laughs> is it going to be me? I had a cold, but, and I decided to go get tested and I tested positive and I just, mm. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I knew that right away I had to let my faculty know. So right away I sent them an email and I had to let the school know. And then we had to kind of figure out what, what school was going to look like. I have a wonderful team that I trust tremendously. And that's what I wrote in my email to my parents and to my students, but it's very destabilizing when the head of school, I'm not the kind of, I come to school really. I'm, I'm usually the first person there and the last person to leave. It's very destabilizing. And I think scary when the leader of an organization tests positive for COVID. Uh, and that's that's really what I was nervous about. I was nervous about the nervousness of my parents and of my students and how the community and my faculty, how everybody was gonna react. Um, I actually had this really interesting experience because I tested positive for COVID close to a weekend. They just changed the rules. Yeah, five and days. no day. Yeah. <laughs> so, I actually missed, didn't miss that much school. Um, but when I was out, it just felt like there was so much going on that I needed to make decisions on that I didn't have information. We had an issue with our facilities and I wasn't there. Uh, we just had a bunch of things going on and we had to make the decision about the snow day. And I just, I felt very removed and I felt that I, wasn't there for the community in the way that I needed to be. And that's what I pride myself on being. And that was probably the hardest for me. I tried to have a normal day, yeah. go about my meetings, teach my class. Ugh, yep. But it was just, it was really crazy. So, you know, what was your experience like? So I had this, I kept saying to Rebbe Minchel, like the whole past whatever it's been now, year and a half, two years, I don't know, what are we up to? What are we up to? <laughs> I kept saying, what's gonna happen if I have to write an email that I have COVID? I just kept saying that to him. And finally, it's so weird, a couple of weeks ago, he said, it, 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 so it's not a big deal. If you have COVID, everybody gets it. You know, it'll make everyone else feel better. So, you know, as soon as I tested positive, um, so I write all the emails, like, please note that so-and-so tested positive or whatever. So I, I wrote to everybody, you know, looks like it's my turn. And I, I thought it would be better if it came from me instead of like Rabbi Michelle running, then they'll think I'm so sick. But it was like, a, it's, it was a little funny. And I got, um, you know, I got a lot of lovely messages and notes and a student yeah. brought me a dessert. And he said to me, oh. don't worry, I had COVID so I can come near you. <laughs> but I guess it does, it does when we do get it, you know, we are human, we're <laughs> right. susceptible to viruses. I think it does also make it normal. There was. I think there's less of a stigma attached to it. And I really, you know, I, I definitely learned from Rabbi Ehrenfeld in the very beginning. He, he was one of the first cases and, and he just had it again, but he was like open. He was like, yes, I have it. And I think, you know, him doing that made everybody else feel comfortable saying that they did. But yeah, certainly hard to run a school um, from your cell phone 
which is what I was doing a lot, you know, trying to get to Zoom, but I didn't, I really didn't feel so good. So oh. it was hard. I did, I did, uh, I did have a lot of phone meetings though. So I hear, so I guess, you know, putting COVID aside, you know, why, what's your story? How did, how did you land where you are? Why did you decide to go into Jewish education? You know, tell me, tell us about that. Sure. So I'll start with the fact that the power of a teacher's words is tremendous. And I know that from my own experience. I never thought I was gonna go into Jewish education. I actually always thought I was gonna be a doctor. For a while I thought I was gonna be a nurse because for some reason I thought women couldn't be doctors because I never had a doctor until my mother told me one day, no bracha, women can be doctors too. And then I really wanted to be a doctor. Uh, and I loved biology in ninth grade. I loved dissecting. We Everybody wanted to be my partner because they knew they didn't have to do any work because I wanted to do it all. <laughs> and then I encountered 10th grade chemistry. I actually pr- pushed myself to be in a higher level math class. Uh, I spent the summer in summer school so I could be in the higher level math class because I was so motivated to get into medical school and do well. And I had a very bad experience in 10th grade chemistry. I had a fabulous teacher, but I, I did not excel. And she made a comment, which to this day, I always wondered, did she mean it? Did she say it? Was it just an off moment? And she said to me, if you can't excel in chemistry, the likelihood of you being successful in med- medical school is minimal. Now, it's interesting because I have shared the story with my own chemistry teacher at Central and she said, absolutely not. <laughs> so um, I quite, really quite took that, <laughs> Yes, I took that to heart. Yeah. And I said, oh, and I kind of gave up at that point. I didn't push myself in math and science anymore. I said, okay, I'm not going to be a doctor, but what am I going to do? <laughs> and for the next bunch of years, I was sort of in this crisis mode. And I know I was only in 10th grade, but I'm the kind of person who likes to have my whole life planned for the next 40 years. Yeah. So I thought about psychology. I actually did dabble in uh, college in business. I spent a semester in Cy Sims. I did, they didn't have the, the Jewish education major that they have now. I tried early childhood education, which was not for me. I know that, you know, I, it just it childhood, very different. Yes. And then I graduated. The one thing that was my constant was my love of learning. Um, and so I graduated with a uh, BA in Judaic studies, having no clue what I wanted to do with my life other than learn. And my husband and I made Aliyah and I went to go learn for the next three years. Uh, along the way, I got my Yoatzet degree and still had no idea what I wanted to do because my attempts at teaching really flopped. They were not great. Really? Uh, yeah. My first, I very much remember my Shanabet. My first year I gave a sheer, still remember it. Uh, the Rambam's definition of love and what, fear or awe. And it was a disaster. Uh, my friends told me, maybe just the learning is what you should be doing, not the teaching. Um, and then I just started teaching a little bit more. Uh, and somehow I kind of, I fell into Jewish education, which is not the way I envisioned my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband and I had made Aliyah, did not work out. And we moved back, we moved to the States. And I remember I went on about 13 job interviews and I got one part-time. Wow. Very persistent. I wasn't going to give up because this is something <laughs> that I, at that point I was committed to doing. 
And I had a principal who said something to me. He said, I saw a spark in you yeah. and I wanted to give you a chance. That's and that was a lesson for me that when I interview teachers, is there a spark? Mm-hmm. And he gave me a chance. And very soon, already my second year, I was already put on committees uh, for ideas about how to improve the school. Uh, I was a yeshiva flatbush. I have tremendous hakar hatov to Rabbi Eliach, who was my mentor for all the years I was there, uh, who I kept in touch with for a long time after I left, and that they really taught me how to teach. And that's how I went into Jewish education. I, I, I love what I do. I have stayed in the classroom uh, because I want to be up on what, go, what goes on teaching-wise nowadays, the trends, the ideas. My room, I try to use, my classroom try to use as an incubator for new ideas. Um, and I just, I love, love what I do. Okay, so it, wor- it worked out and I guess now you're in the place where you're, the power of your words are so impactful. Right. And you know that, I guess. Yes. Know, than anyone. It was words both ways, you know, for what turned you away from something and what motivated you um, to be a teacher. Yeah, you have to look for that. It's true. You have to see like, what somebody's potential is also, not like where they're at at the moment. But yeah, if, you know, many people, if they would have given up, you know, if you would have given up like looking for a part time job in teaching, and we would have lost all the impact that, that you have now. So how has your leadership changed, you know, through the pandemic, if it has in any way? It has and it hasn't. Um, I've always tried to be open to new ideas uh, and to really hear people out. And I've really had to do that. I've had to have tremendous patience, Uh, patience, listening to parents in a way that I didn't envision calling me with concerns about COVID and the safety of their daughters. I know that last year for me, there was a lot of fear. Fear of opening up in person, which was something that we thought was very valuable, but fearful that a student in my building would go home and bring COVID to her grandparents. Mm -hmm. And that in some way, my decision to which I bore on my shoulders, even though I know it was a collaborative decision made in consultation with our legal team and our HR team and our medical team and my fellow administrators and my faculty and my parents, I still felt that tremendous responsibility on my shoulders that somebody would somehow get sick or die because of a decision that I made. And I walked around with that what's interesting to me is at one point, one of my fellow administrators said, Racha, there's something missing in your leadership. And I said, what is that? She said, you're an ideas person and all you're doing, I I have tears thinking about this conversation. She said to me, all you're doing is COVID. She said, our school is losing out so much because this is so all consuming. And, And I knew that. And so what I tried to do then was to sort of share some of the responsibilities and to say that it's not all on my shoulders so that I could begin to focus on some other things and some of the ideas. Um, And I really, my second semester, I took a break in January. I really tried not to, to really go on vacation with my family and come back second semester. I mean, that was when vaccines were coming out, so there was already some more hope. 
but to try and be less fearful and more ideas based and focus more on being com more comfortable. I love going into teachers' classrooms. I have a whole method of how I do it, to do that every day and to get, to, to get off of my million Zoom calls about COVID and to really think more about ideas and to go back to the things that I loved, um, knowing that I still had that responsibility, but to not wear it on my shoulders as much, or at least I'm not so great at compartmentalizing trying to do that at least um, and recognizing the power of collaboration much more and thinking about ideas and kind of the lessons that we learn as opposed to trying to just live in the moment of okay let me get through day to day to try to think long term mm -hmm. so right. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious from your perspective I, I, you really asking how has your leadership changed during the pandemic <laughs> you hit you hit on a lot of just the same the same type of experience the you know i certainly felt that every decision i made impacted everybody in a profound way um their health their you know social emotional well-being um i had the same fear somebody's gonna get sick it's gonna be my fault um if a teacher would get sick oh so that was um, that I can relate to. Uh, similar story in the middle of last year, the teachers, they're like, we don't see you, we miss you, where are you, we need you. And I was also just consumed with tracing uh, yeah. policies and COVID. And again, I, all stuff I hate, if it confirmed anything for me, it's that um, I don't belong in the medical field. I know you have an <laughs> affinity for it. I knew I never wanted to be in it. This confirmed it very strongly for me. I, I am an educator. That's what I like to do. And so I had to do the same building back of like, you know, the commitment to just be around. I guess what I changed, what changes, I, I think, um, you know, I always try to be a present leader and I always try to be an empathetic leader. Um, I, 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 I feel, um, you know, closer to a lot of people now. There was a lot of vulnerability, I think, between um, parents and teachers. I think we ended up having many conversations, you know, in the backdrop of COVID that were either emotionally charged or very personal. And I, you know, I do actually feel like there are some ways that the community was scattered a little bit. In some ways, I feel like we're closer as a school community. Like we went through something together and um, it brought out a lot of emotions in people. And I, I think that working through those feelings together, um, that I'm a little more, I think, in tune with, you know, people's feelings um, on a more personal level that, that I might not have seen before. So that's definitely changed. Um, I did want to shift a little bit in terms of just, you know, you're getting students to high school now who haven't had a regular school experience. I mean, hopefully the ones you're gonna get <sighs> this coming September, but like this this year and last year, you know, they missed out on a lot of, you know, what we pride ourselves, at least at Hartel, on like high school preparation. Um, they did not have a normal school year. It was great that we were in person, but like they didn't even move classrooms. They didn't even have the experience of going from class to class and bringing your books and bringing So did, were students in general as freshmen different after going through this? Um, so I see in general, um, not because of lack of ability, but we've had to redo a lot of our curriculum to provide the students with certain scaffolding that they didn't have. And to no one's fault, just COVID. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and, you know, I don't want to blame things on COVID. It's a recognition of teaching the students in front of us and recognizing their needs. Uh, I know that in particular, our English department has really led the way, but all of our other departments, all of our other teachers are recognizing that our students, they, they need a certain level of compassion and empathy, holding them responsible for their work, but perhaps the process is a little bit different. So yeah, I find not just freshmen different, I find everybody a little bit different. Our seniors perhaps maybe a little bit less, but they're impact, They're all impacted in their own way. Um, I saw the freshmen as close as they were coming in, navigating certain pieces of relationships, like getting together on Shabbat, which is such an important part of a relationship. They hadn't done it. Right. Honestly, sure. they didn't know how to. <laughs> Inviting someone no, I saw it in particular in our freshmen. Do we get together? How many people get together? How comfortable we are? Do we, if we're getting together in a community, do a bunch of us get together? Literally, they didn't know how to do it. Mm. We had to revamp our freshman Shabbaton as a result of that, which was so eye-opening to us. Um, you know, our students, we created new workshops for them to support them in particular right before finals, midterms, because they hadn't had them. Um, many of them never had, you know, I, I uh, we'll see what happens in June, but most of our students have not had regents for the last two years. That's true. So are, what's going to be, you know, mock regents and, but I do see the students being different. I see in some ways they hold on to each other socially more, or some of them don't know how to hold on to each other socially. Um, I do see generally generally kids who are not necessarily able to express but definitely with more concerns um sharing some are some are having difficulty and some are sharing many more um thoughts and ideas with us about concerns that they have for themselves and concerns that they have for their classmates which actually for me is very refreshing I don't know if it's the nature of the relationship that the administration has with the students, the students' comfort, the students feeling like that we can support them, but they really come to us when they see things in the building that are bothering them, that they're not sure how aware we are, that we really need to be aware of. Um, even if they recognize that we can't either share with them how we've addressed it or, um, or don't feel like we're addressing it enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I do, I do see different students and that's okay because if it wasn't COVID, it would have been something else because students are constantly changing. They constantly have new realities. And as educators, we need to be, our term is radically flexible. Um, although one of our faculty members introduced at RPD radical positivity, kind of a play on positive, but that we just, we need to keep our you know, keep our chins high and keep our students and say, yeah, we, we, we've gone through this. We're here for you. We're together. We're, we're gonna, we're gonna make it. We're gonna get through and we're gonna have a really positive experience. That's where that normalcy comes in. Having midterms, you know, we talked every year not to have it, but just having midterms and going through that motion of yeah. meeting up every morning and reminding the students, yeah. midterms start at this point. These are the expectations. This is when your bus is gonna leave. To, for them to go through that normal experience is so reassuring for them. 
So, and we have so much planned for them second semester, both to have normal classrooms, to have a normal classroom experience, and to have normal out of classroom experience. Um, is really, you know, we're sending a group hopefully to Miami for a tournament. We're hoping, we usually have an Israel trip, we're hoping to have some modified version of it next semester. Just providing the students with an experience and lots of opportunities for relationships with both administrators and with faculty and with each other. Yeah, no, they missed it. They for sure missed it. Um, okay, wow. Speaking of, you know, students, just, you know, since you're central, just engaging Orthodox girls specifically um, is something that, you know, in the middle school level, we've had many meetings about, we've, you know, we've had some wonderful initiatives, um, but it continues to be, I, I think, challenging. I don't know what advice you have um, for schools, educators, parents, like what can we do to, to make them excited, engaged spiritually? What, what have you seen work? So I think that when we hold them to high expectations, we have relationships with them. And when we give them voice, I really, and I try to put my money where my mouth is, that I really think that giving our young women a voice and a choice in what they learn and in their experiences really empowers them. I think about it, we do it from our courses. Starting in ninth grade, our students have choice in their classes. And by the time they get to 12th grade, they're basically making their own schedules. Wow. And I feel like that empowers them over their learning, gives them empowerment over their learning and gets them more excited and gets more buy-in. I think also building the relationships and providing opportunities. I know that's not necessarily, perhaps not unique to young women, but it's something that I feel has really, really engages them. Provide them, I know we bring in different organizations to talk to them. Uh, Shalom Task Force, we have some of our students are on the Shalom Task Force Young Leadership Board. Uh, if I'm describing it exactly accurately, we brought in ORA. We want to engage our students so that they know what's going on out there in the world. From a Jewish perspective, we have a civics association uh, where our students are very involved in civic education. And they've had the opportunity to meet some really interesting people who are involved in politics on a high level, but also on a local level and providing them with opportunities to know, hey, these are this is what's out there and here are, and looking also at role models uh, for our, you know, we, ju we just had our dinner and we honored one of our alum who's brought an architecture, construction and engineering club to our school. And what was so nice was in preparation for the dinner, we actually spoke with several of our alumni and they talked about the fact that Central opened their eyes to lots of opportunities that are available for women who are committed to halacha and Torah lifestyles and want a career at the same time to make that, to normalize that as something that can be done. You know, we try to roll, we try to model that for our, our young women as educators and to provide them with opportunities to see other types of role models that are out there that are available. I think that that also empowers them. You know, and we do have the challenges. I know, you know, in every school, dress code is a very big challenge. And in particular for young women, because, and I can only speak, you know, from my experience, they really, it, 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 we try not to personalize it. 
but it feels very, very personal. It does. It does. Absolutely. You know, and, and I fully appreciate that. And, you know, if anybody has any suggestions or ideas on how to make yeah, we're, it We're all trying to navigate it. Um, it's certainly uh, challenging. And I, I agree with you that the role, the role models, I think, um, are just so important that there are people that our girls, our young women can look at and say, I want to be like her when I grow up. And I, I think that that is critical and, and positive experiences, just positive experience. You know, yeah. things that are, are enjoyable. I, I love the idea that you incorporate so much choice in their learning. Um, okay, so now at this time of year, when we get back from winter break, um, only a couple weeks later, um, our eighth graders are going to be receiving their decisions. I mean, they're, they're, they're from the high schools, their acceptances, and they're going to have to make their own decisions about where to go. How, how, you know, if they, you know, hopefully they'll get into a couple of places and they'll have to make a choice. You know, what, what makes a school a good match for a student? Like how, how do they know, like, this is where I'll be successful? So on some level, the decision about making a high school, it, it, on, some, on all levels, it's a very personal decision. Sometimes it can be, for different students, it can be different factors. For some students, it's really the chavra. Is this the chavra that I want to be with? Are these the girls that I could see myself? Even if you don't know all the girls, because hopefully you don't. Uh, is this the chavra that I could see myself with? Sometimes it's the opportunity that a school provides you, that this school can provide you with an opportunity that no other school can. And so even if I'm not going with a lot of friends, I want to think about the opportunities that I have and the educational experience that I have. Uh, for some people, it's certain teachers that they know of that teach in the school that they, they, they want to learn from or with. And sometimes it's the opportunity, the, the long-term opportunities that the school provides um, students. Sometimes it's looking at the alumni. Uh, sometimes it's purely looking at the academics. This is a school that I love because they have this type of academic program that really speaks to me. You know, a history program or a science program or, or a Judaic studies program. Um, sometimes it can be purely the learning. This is a place that I feel that can encourage me in my learning uh, Torah and that's where I wanna be. Sometimes it's the Torah environment. I think there are so many factors that have to be taken into account when making a decision. Uh, and I think that it's important. And I know that it's so hard for an eighth grader to do this because life experience, right? I think, Pesha, when you and I sit down to make a decision, <laughs> we have our life experience to yeah. kind of guide us. Right. These eighth graders don't have it. Right. So I think it's important also that they that they listen to others. Yeah, like their, their parents. parents yeah. Which I know eighth graders don't always want to listen to their parents. Right. Hear them. Yes. hear out from other people from you know other teachers from their own teachers that they have or hear from their friends um, but what I think is important is that as much as they can they should make an informed decision uh, and not only go to the popular place sometimes the popular place is a popular place and that's where they want to go but it's not always the right choice for every student mm -hmm. um, and I think that you know doing a lot of listening um, hearing what a school is really about to the best that they can and thinking about what they want as much as they can, mm -hmm. what they want to get out of a high school experience. 
do they want the extracurriculars? Do they want the athletics? Do they want the academics? Do they want the chevra? Do they want the Torah? What do they want and what's their priority and which school can speak to them in terms of what their real interests are? That's true. I think that's very good advice. High school is so fast, you know, and I yes. know for many families, if it's their oldest child going to high school, and then for many kids, when they leave eighth grade, there's a lot of, there's, it's bittersweet. You know, they've been, you know, if they've been in our school, they might've been here since they're four or five years old, right. you know, and then, you know, you're really, and your siblings might be here and you've been, you know, been here for a long time. Your parents come in a lot. And so there's a certain connection you have to your elementary school. And then there's a lot more independence when you go to your high school. And even though it's short, it's four years, it goes by so quickly, but it is so imperative. I have seen that when students end up in the right place, the, you know, it is so important for their own growth. And then I've seen, unfortunately, some of our graduates have ended up in schools that they regretted going to. And sometimes they make a change and sometimes they don't. And it's always, you know, it's unfortunate. Obviously, we all try to avoid that. Um, But just that's where your identity is forming in just a profound way. That's where your peer group is, like you said. And, you know, we're talking about an age where kids are with their peers and not really with their parents anymore. And so it's it's a short time, but it's such a critical time. And I, I agree with you. The, the decision is the huge decision. It really yeah. starts to shape the other decisions that, that people make for their lives, where they're going after high school, things like that. So 100%. We, we always appreciate our partnership with Central and um, our graduates have gone and been so happy and, and supported um, by you and by your whole administration and faculty. And uh, we, look and we love our Torah students. Yes. We look forward <laughs> to that, that continued relationship. Um, and just, you know, thank you for everything you've done for the Jewish community during this time. It's, it's, been, it's been rough. It has been rough and thank you. And thank you for our Torah. You know, Pesha, thank you so much, Rabbi Manchel. Yeah. Uh, and for all the Jewish educators out there who have really worked tremendously to inspire our students, build relationships with our students during this crazy time that every moment, every time we think we're getting past it, no. something new comes up. Here we are again. Here we yeah. are again. But you know what? I think, you know, I think we are stronger and we did come together, you know, in the Jewish community and our institutions yeah. and our yeshiva. Um, yeah. Thank you, Bracha. I hope you get sure, to Thank you over. so much for having me. Winter break. Feel better. Like <laughs> thank you. Better. You too. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.